Book of Judges. I was going to mention that if you have not read it recently, I hope that you will do that again because Judges 4 and 5 go together and need to be understood together. I'm going to show you a couple of slides up here as we get into this this morning because I've oftentimes thought that the story of Deborah that's contained there in the book of Judges would make a great movie. And so uh, the starring character (laughs) in this particular one would be certainly uh, Deborah. And we'll see that she's a prophet, she's a judge, she's a wife, she's courageous, she's faithful, and she is a leader chosen by God. But I also want to kind of get this cast of characters before our minds because we're going to go down through this story this morning and you kind of have to try to keep these straight. So first of all, it's Deborah, and she is the Lord's spokesperson in this particular uh, case here. And then there is Barak, who her, uh, uh, Deborah, and he will um, go to battle. Uh, And there, he is the Lord's military leader. And then there is Jabin, which is the king of Canaan, and they have invaded, moved into Israel's territory. There is Sisera which is Jabin's military leader or general. And then there is Jael, a Kenite woman that we'll meet later on. And then there is Sisera's mother, who will make a cameo appearance towards the end of this story, but she has some important things to say. So hopefully you can kind of keep that all in mind as we take a look at that. So first of all, this morning... As we get into this story of Deborah in the book of Judges, I want to give you just a little background. Because in Judges chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, it says, When Ehud was dead, we studied him recently, the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera who dwelt in Herosheth Hegoyim. And then at verse 4 it says, Now Deborah. And she's kind of introduced. And she's the main character. And she's important. Deborah is probably one of the most famous women in the Old Testament. And Judges 4 will tell us that she's a spokesperson for God and that she's a judge. And in the book of Judges, one of the things you want to keep in mind, it is important to understand her. She is referred to as a judge, but in a lot of ways, she's not like the other judges that are depicted in this book of Judges. Because a lot of the others, all the others, (laughs) are men. (laughs) And oftentimes they deliver God's people through physical strength and through physical might. And we've already given consideration to Ehud. We've talked about uh, Shamgar and how he took a ox goad and he killed 600 Philistines. That's not Deborah's style. She is a deliverer. She is a judge. But her style is different. And you have to keep that in mind, how God uses her. And that's a point that we need to keep in mind today as we give consideration to this also. Because God is not restricted to just one method of delivering His people. 
And that's one of the points that is made here in regards to this particular woman and the way in which God is going to deliver His people. Sometimes He may use men. Sometimes He may use military strength and force. He will use that even in this story. But sometimes He just uses a person who willingly, faithfully, courageously delivers His Word. And that's Deborah. And sometimes, and this is important, and this comes in a little bit later, sometimes God will use a woman to deliver the strong hand of justice. And we'll see that a little bit later too. So historically, as you think about the book of Judges, this is a time when God's people have been delivered into the promised land. But when God delivered these people into the promised land, He had told them before they ever went in. And you've got to keep this in mind too. Once again, it's that concept of the big picture to have an understanding of the big picture so you understand the smaller parts. God had delivered His people into this land. And as they were going in, in Deuteronomy the 7th chapter, He said that when you go in there, don't make any covenants with those people. Do not intermarry with those people. Do not worship their gods. Do not serve their gods. And when you go in there, you are to drive them out. You are to destroy them. You are to show no mercy. Sometimes that's a little hard for people to take. (laughs) This is not ethnic cleansing. We talked about that before. This is not imperialism. We've talked about that before. A good reading and a good understanding of the book of Romans, the first chapter, will give you some insight into understanding what's taking place here in the book of Judges. See, because sometimes when people look at this, they will automatically begin to judge God. (laughs) And they'll say, well, the God of the Old Testament, He was very cruel (laughs) and unmerciful. That's not true. God has always been merciful. He's always been loving. You know what God is doing? These people are dwelling in that land at this time. God has said, I'm going to use my people, Israel, and I'm going to remove them. God is going to bring justice against these people. These people are cruel. These people are immoral. These people worship false gods. And it has led to a society that is immoral. And they are cruel to one another. And they are cruel. And they mistreat women. And they are cruel and they mistreat children. Study the history of these people sometimes. And you'll better understand what God is doing as He brings His people into this land. And so God warns them. 
Do not intermarry with them. Make no covenants with them. Do not worship their gods. Do not follow after them. God's people were to be holy because He was holy. And the way in which His children were to conduct society was the way God said they should. And God's people were to be a witness to the other nations of the world. The way life should be lived when it's according to the way God directs. And this is the way you will treat people. And this is the way you will treat women. And this is the way you will treat children when God rules. And we have to keep that in mind. As you take a look at this story, and we don't have time to explain it all today, (laughs) but it's all there. It's all there. Men, under God's rule and the way they should live, women, under God's rule and the way they should be treated, it's there. Children and how they should be respected, it's there. Government and how it should function, Oh, it's there. It's all there in this story. And we need to understand that. But once again, God's people are not following His ways. And so He's allowing their enemies to overrun them. And so that's where Deborah comes into the picture. In Judges 4 and Judges 5, it's going to show us that real power and the way to victory is following after God. It's also going to show you this, that when God fights for His people, He expects His people to rise up and to fight with him. So in Judges chapter 4 and verse 3 and 4, it said, And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, for Jabin had 900 chariots of iron, and 20 years he had harshly oppressed the children of Israel. Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lepidoth, was judging Israel at that time. Once again, Israel has become unfaithful. God allows them to be oppressed, and this time it's by Jabin, the king of the Canaanites, and his general is Sisera. And he has 900 chariots. That's sort of the modern day weapons of war. And they are being oppressed, and some translation says that they are being oppressed cruelly. Now we need to understand that also. Now we talked about this on Wednesday night, how these Canaanites had moved right into the land. (laughs) They set up housekeeping in Israel's territory. And they have a king, and they have a general, and they have an army, and they have these 900 chariots, and they are oppressing the children, children of God. Now I want you to think with me for a moment. See, because sometimes we read that and we say, oh, they were oppressed. 
But sometimes we don't fully understand what that means when it says that they are being oppressed. We'll get just a little better glimpse of this when we talk about Gideon because Gideon will be treading out wheat in a wine press. Ever think about that? <laughs> what in the world are you doing in there? <laughs> well, we'll come to find out he's hiding <laughs> because they're being oppressed. And so these people would invade and they would take their crops, their goods. Sometimes they would take their people and carry them off. Now you think about that. How would you like to go home today and you walk in your house and all your stuff's gone? <laughs> Where'd it go? And nobody's doing anything about it. But I want you to add this to it too. How about if you get up and go to work, guys, and you come back home in the evening and your kids are gone? Your daughter's gone. Your son is gone. They carried off your wife. And nobody's doing anything about it. You think they're being oppressed? Now I want to add this to it too. Because see, sometimes we get to thinking that in order for a nation, for a country, for a people to be oppressed... There has to be an army move in and establish itself and kind of take over territory and then we'll say, oh, we're being oppressed. Well, I want to tell you that you can be oppressed by another nation, by another people, and they never set foot on your land. And that's what we need to understand. Now, you want me to tell you how? Because we need to get this. How about if somebody's taken the life of your son or your daughter through drugs? Are you being oppressed? There's drugs pouring into this country every day. Oh, we talk about it. But is there any real action being taken to stop it? How about if somebody takes your son or somebody takes your daughter? Have you heard about sex trafficking? It happens in this country every day. I was in California just a couple of years ago. Not all that far from the border. American soil. American city. Walked into a Walmart. And you know how you kind of go through those double doors before you get into the store and there's kind of that waiting area and you get your shopping cart and all that kind of stuff. And a lot of times they have a big bulletin board over there. You know what this bulletin board was covered with? Looking for missing, and there's photos up there 
And you know what most of those photos were? Women and children. Where'd they all go? I'm going to tell you something else. Pornography is a multi-billion dollar industry in this country. And you think our society's not being oppressed? You don't have to move in militarily to oppress a people. You don't have to move in military and take, the, take them over in order to destroy a society. You can destroy it from without and never set foot on their ground. So when it says they were being oppressed, we need to understand oppression. We need to understand the kind of thing that was going on. If we want something, we'll just come get it. We'll come take it. It doesn't matter whether it's your goods or whether it's your wife or whether it's your kids or whether it's your daughter. We'll just take it. Try to stop me. I got a big army. I got 900 chariots. So verse 4 introduces us to Deborah. And she's a prophet. She speaks for God. And she's a judge. And she's leading Israel at this time. And in verse 5 it says that all Israel comes to her. Do you know what that's saying? They respect her. And they respect her judgment. And so they come to see her. And she settles disputes among them, individuals, tribes, and so forth. She's a wise counselor. And people seek her out for her guidance. She's a godly leader. She's not a military warrior. But she leads. She leads well beyond the battlefield. She leads in society and over God's people. And it's her character and it's her life. It's her influence and it's the word she speaks. And so God is showing that this leader can rescue from error and she can rule through her character and through her word and her influence. You know what else Deborah does? She really points towards the monarchy of Jesus Christ. Because that's the kind of ruler he is. In Isaiah, the ninth chapter, in verses 6 and 7, it says, He is called Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace. He bears the government on his shoulders. He upholds his kingdom with justice and righteousness. Godly, righteous, leader. That's like that. So Judges 4 and verses 6 and 7, not only is she a ruler leader, she's also a rescuer. Verse 6 and 7. Now watch how Deborah does this. Then she sent and called for Barak, the son of Abinanim, from Kadesh and Naphtali, and said to him, Has not the Lord God of Israel commanded, 
Go and deploy troops at Mount Tabor. Take with you 10,000 men of the sons of Naphtali and the sons of Zebulun. And against you I will deploy Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his multitude at the river Kishon. And I will deliver him into your hand. So Deborah speaks God's word to Barak. She said, this is what God wants you to do. You go and call together these troops, 10,000 of them, Naphtali and Zebulon. And I'm going to assemble this army, and then I'll call out, I'll get Sisera and his army to come to that battle. But Barak, you'll be given victory. Now, think about that for a moment. Deborah's the one speaking the words of God and you might say she's kind of the ruler but she's not the rescuer and then there's Barak he's not really the ruler but in this case he's going to be the rescuer as you study Judges chapter 5 what you really come to understand is and even here God says I'll deliver him into your hand Who's the real ruler? Who's the real rescuer? It's God. And all he's saying is, is Deborah's my spokesman. And Barak is my military leader. They are instruments in my hand. I just want them to do what I tell them to do. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> it should. Romans the 6th chapter. That's exactly what the Apostle Paul is talking about with Christians. You are instruments of righteousness. Just do what God says. And that's what's taking place here. I'm going to skip ahead. Because this is where the story is headed. And I kind of want to put this in right here and you can be thinking about this. This is Judges chapter 4 down at verse 17 and then I'm going to skip ahead to verse 21 and we'll come back and hit this. Judges chapter 4 and verse 17. This is after the battle. This is after Sisera is going to be separated from his troops. And he's going to try and flee and where he flees to. Judges chapter 4 at verse 17. However, Sisera had fled away on foot to the tent of Jael the wife of Heber, the Kenite. For there was peace between Jabin, king of Hazor, and the house of Heber, the Kenite. So you know what that said? Sisera realized they were in trouble, and so he took off. <laughs> and he heads north. And he makes it all the way to this tent where there is this woman called Jael. Verse 21. And then Jael, Heber's wife, took a tent peg and took a hammer in her hand and went softly to him and drove the tent peg into his temple and it went down into the ground for he was fast asleep and weary so he died. 
Make a good movie, wouldn't it? <laughs> Might be rated R for violence. But Sisera runs there. Jael allows him to come in. He's exhausted. He lays down, goes to sleep, and when he's asleep, she takes a tent peg and a mallet and she drives it through his skull, his temple, right into the ground. Sometimes in the book of Judges, what you'll see is sometimes God will use one individual. Sometimes he'll use military. In this case, there's really three main characters. There's Deborah, there's Barak, and then ultimately there is this woman by the name of Jael. And you kind of need to understand them, but in chapter 5, that's why I say 5 and 4 go together. In chapter 5, Jael will be given glory. She will be given honor. Blessed is she among women. So hold that in mind. I want to back up for just a second now. Deborah calls for Barak, right? And she says, God says, I want you to assemble 10,000 troops and I want you to go to Mount Tabor. This is up in northern part of, of Israel. And you're going to go to battle against Sisera. Think about that. This is a mighty army with 900 chariots of iron. And I'm sending you to battle against him. I want to read to you from verse 8. Judges chapter 4 and verse 8. So Barak says to her, that's Deborah, if you will go with me, then I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. <laughs> now I want to share with you, there's two views in regards to Barak. One of the views of Barak is negative. The other one is positive. I'm going to give you the negative one first. So Deborah tells him, this is what God wants you to do. And Barak says, well, I'll go, but <laughs> I want you to go with me. And so some people read that, look at that, and they say on the part of Barak, that's kind of timid. <laughs> You're the military leader. And you say you'll go if a woman goes with you. And if that woman doesn't go, you're not going. Sound like a general to you? And so some say, well, it's a lack of faith. Because God said he'd deliver him into his hand. Verse 7. Maybe this guy's just kind of timid. Verse 9. So she, that's Deborah, said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, there will be no glory for you in the journey you are taking. For the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. 
That's what she said. All right, I'll go with you. But I'm going to tell you something right now, up front. There's not going to be any glory in this for you. Because the Lord is going to sell Sisera. See, that's the opposing general. He's going to sell him into the hand of a woman. And sometimes people read that, they stop there and they think they're talking about Deborah, but he's not talking about Deborah. He's talking about another woman. And so some people in a negative view will look at that and say, well, if he's got to ask Deborah to go with him, he doesn't deserve any glory. (laughs) Got to get a woman to go with him. So in verse 9 and 10, Barak summons the troops. He prepares for battle. And some think the only reason he did that is because Deborah said she'd go with him. Verse 14. This is just before the battle. Then Deborah said to Barak, Up, for this is the day in which the Lord has delivered Sisera into your hand. Has not the Lord gone out before you? So Barak went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. So the negative view is based upon verse 8. I'll go if you go with me. But if you don't go, I'm not going. So now, here's the positive view. Verse 9 once again. So she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, there will be no glory for you in the journey you're taking. For the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. See, the positive view says that verse 9, Deborah's just stating the facts. I have spoken God's word to you. He wants you to assemble these troops. And Barak does that. And he's going to send you into battle, and he has said that he will give you Sisera into your hand. But there's no glory in this for you. There's no glory. Ultimately, that glory is going to go to a woman. So think about it like this. God has called you to this dangerous mission. You're going up against an army that is more formidable than yours. And I want you to take these 10,000 men and I want you to charge down that mountain into the teeth of that army with their chariots. But even when you risk your life, there will be no glory in this for you. Ultimately, God's justice will be delivered by a woman. 
You know what Barak did? He went. He went. The positive view says that his desire for Deborah to go with him it's not disobedience. It's not being timid. It's not a lack of faith. But rather it's a recognition of who Deborah is and who she speaks for. And so you know what Brack's saying? You speak for God. I know you're a godly woman. You are a woman of faith. And I'm facing one of the biggest challenges in my life. I may die here. You know, you know who I want with me? I want people of faith with me. If I'm going to go into this battle, I want people of faith with me. So he says, if you'll go, I'll go. Because I know God's with you. And if you say that God is with me, I don't care what it looks like. If God says go, I'll go. And so he went. I want to read you something from the book of Hebrews. So the next time somebody suggests that maybe Barak didn't have the faith he should have had, or maybe he was a little timid, I want you to read to him from Hebrews the 11th chapter. About verse 32. It says, And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah also of David and Samuel and the prophets you know what that is that's God's hall of fame of faith and you don't get your name there unless you have faith because Hebrews 11 and verse 6 says that without faith it's impossible to please him so did Barak have faith? He sure did. Deborah was God's spokesperson. And she told him, you go. And God will deliver Sisera into your hands. But you will get no glory for this. You know what Barak does? He goes. Because you know what true faith does? It does what God says. Without seeking personal glory I'm in it for God I'm not in it for me isn't that what Paul said about Jesus over in Philippians the second chapter that he emptied himself not considering that equality with God was a thing to be grasped But he humbled himself to the point of death. Let God decide who gets the glory. 
I just want to know what God says. And if God says it, then I'm going to do it. So Barak goes into battle. And in verse 14 it says, The Lord routed Sisera that day. And so in verse 18, the army flees in one direction. They head west, and Sisera runs north. And Barak first will pursue after the army, and they will be totally defeated, and then he will turn north, looking for Sisera. But before he can catch up with him, He'll already be dead. That was point number two, in case you wanted it. <laughs> point three. Jail and God's justice. Now I want to read to you verse 17 again. However, Sisera had fled away on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite. For there was peace between Jabin, king of Hazor, and the house of Heber the Kenite. And Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Turn aside, my lord, turn aside to me, do not fear. And when he had turned aside with her into the tent, she covered him with a blanket. Then he said to her, Please give me a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. So she opened a jug of milk, gave him a drink, and covered him. And he said to her, Stand at the door of the tent. And if any man comes and inquires of you and says, Is there any man here? You shall say, No. Then Jael, Heber's wife, took a tent peg and took a hammer in her hand and went softly to him and drove the tent peg into his temple and it went down through, went down into the ground for he was fast asleep and weary, so he died. See, it's back in chapter 4 and verse 11 where we're just kind of introduced to this Heber the Kenite and it says that he was friends with Jabin, king of Canaan. That's up in the northern part of Israel. Heber somehow had made some sort of political agreement with Jabin, the king of Canaan. Obviously, his wife doesn't share his view on politics. <laughs> because when Sisera shows up, you're looking for refuge? Sure. Come in, lay down, have a drink. Take a nap. Let me get my tent peg. <laughs> so she killed him. In verse 22, Barak arrives. And then as Barak pursued Sisera, Jael came out to meet him and said to him, Come. I will show you the man whom you seek. And when he went into her tent, there lay Sisera, dead with the tent peg in his temple. You could almost visualize this. That Barak shows up, and he talks with Jael, and she goes, the one you're looking for, he's in here. You think he pulled that sword? Where is it? And he steps through that door into that tent. And he's lying there on the ground. And he's got a tent peg through his skull. See, he had come 
to deliver God's justice. But God had already delivered his justice through the hand of this woman. In verse 24 it says, And the children of Israel grew stronger and stronger against Jabin until they were destroyed. Think about that. Isn't that what God had told him to do from the beginning? And yet these people had moved in and they had settled there and they had oppressed and the way in which they would oppress, they would just come and take whatever they wanted. And that included material goods and that included women and that included children. Whatever they thought they could use or abuse, we'll just take it. And they took it. And God, through Deborah, said, Tell Barak, hey guys, you got to stand up and fight for what's yours. So, chapter 5, I'm going to run down through this very quickly. The difference between chapter 4 and chapter 5 is very simply this. Chapter 4 is basically historical. It's the events. Chapter 5 is poetical when you read it. It's theological. It really shows you what's going on behind the scenes. I want to read to you from Judges chapter 5 verse 1 and 2. Because that really sets the tone for the entire chapter. Then Deborah and Barak, the son of Abinadab, Saying on that day, saying, listen to this, listen to this. When the leaders lead in Israel, when the people willingly offer themselves, bless the Lord. You know what that's saying? When the leaders lead, there was a spiritual leader, that was Deborah. There was a military leader, that was a guy. And as you read through these chapters, what you see is most of the tribes come out to support this effort. But there are some that don't. But this chapter begins and said, when the leaders lead, when it's the way God intends for it to be, and when the people willingly offer themselves, uh, if God said it, I'm going too. <laughs> then he said, bless the Lord. That's when society will be blessed. So chapter 5, verses 1 and 2 begins the song of Deborah and Barak. And in verses 3 through 5, it sings about the praises of God and the things that he's done in the past to show his faithfulness. And then verses 6 through 8, it shows you the condition of Israel at that time when Deborah ruled and Jael lived there. And it said that the highways were deserted and the villages were empty. Why? Everybody's running and hiding. Verses 9 through 15, verse part of 15, praises for the rulers and the people who respond to Deborah's call. 
But in verses 15, latter part, through verse 17, it speaks negatively of those tribes who did not respond and come to the fight. And in verses 18 through 22, praises for those who risked their lives and how God fought for them. And in verse 24 through 27, honor is given to J.L. Blessed among women. Now I want you to listen to verse 28 through 30. The mother of Sisera looked through the window and cried out through the lattice, Why is his chariot so long in coming? Why tarries the clatter of his chariots? Her wisest ladies answered her, Yes, she answered herself. Are they not finding and dividing the spoil? To every man a girl or two. For Sisera, plunder of dyed garments, plunder of garments embroidered and dyed, two pieces of dyed embroidery for the neck of the looter. What's she saying? Sisera's mother saying, you know, he should have been back by now. My son normally goes off to battle and they win. Why don't I hear his chariot coming? Oh, let me think. They're probably dividing up all the spoil. And the women? They're dividing them up too. Those words right there speak volumes about what society was like under those Canaanites and the way in which people were treated. Like so much possessions, so much material. Take it, use it, abuse it. When you're done with it, discard it. They weren't being treated like creatures made in the image of God. They weren't treated like whole beings with minds, feelings, with a purpose, and with a value. That's what happens to society when you take God out of it. And so God had told them from the beginning, when you go in there, you drive them out. You destroy them. You make no covenants with them. You do not intermarry with them. You do not worship their gods. Because all that cruelty has got to stop. When leaders lead and the people willingly offer themselves, bless the Lord. So God used Deborah and He used Barak and then He brought the final blow of justice to those people through Jael. A woman. 
in Judges 4, we kind of step into the story and we meet all these characters. And we really meet the clash of two societies. One that will serve God and one that is totally turned away from it. So I want to give you this closing thought. Deborah, you know what that name means in Hebrew? It means be. You know, like be. And whenever you think about a bee, normally what we think about are two things. We think about honey, and we think about getting stung. No. And in this story, you really see both aspects of that. Because those who listen to and follow after God, they'll taste the sweet taste of victory. And those who don't, eventually they'll feel the painful sting of His justice. That's the story of Deborah. I want to extend the invitation this morning to any and all that are here and invite you. Jesus said, He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Have you done that? Do you need to do that? We'd love to assist you. If you're a child of God and not been following Him faithfully, Now's the time, the opportunity to turn and come back to him. If we can help in any way, you let us know while together we stand and while we sing.